The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Sowing the seeds of cannabis and sounding the praise of our favorite plant, it's time to Hempresent. Our radio resident Hempo-Sapien Vivian McPeak will present a weekly platform for guests and listeners to Hempresent about hemp and cannabis from the legal, activist, and reformist route. Let's round up and roll it up for our headmaster of hemp, Vivian McPeak. Welcome to the Hempresent Resistance, seeking to defeat the alternative facts of prohibition one interview at a time and advocating for the plant, the whole plant, and nothing but the plant. Join me for a weekly Reefer Radio Rebellion as I speak with some of the principal risk takers, movers and shakers, and history makers of the cannabis industry, culture, and reform movement. I'm your host, Vivian McPeak. I am the executive director of the world's largest annual cannabis policy reform event, the Seattle Hemp Fest, entering its 29th year of speaking flower to power and found at hempfest.org. I am also the author of the book, Protestable, a 20-year retrospective of Seattle Hemp Fest from AHA Publishing, also found at hempfest.org. If you have feedback or would like to suggest a guest or topic, email me at hempresent at gmail.com. Today's guest on Hempresent is Carolyn Mountain Girl Garcia. Garcia is an author, cannabis cultivator, and entrepreneur, and was a member of the 1960s group, The Merry Pranksters, which was immortalized in Tom Wolfe's book, The Electric Kool-Aid Acid Test. Garcia is the former wife of the late Grateful Dead guitarist, Jerry Garcia, and she currently sits on the boards of the Rex Foundation and the Further Foundation, as well as on the advisory board of the Marijuana Policy Product project and she has kindly taken out time to join me today and i'm going to call her by her nickname mg welcome mg to cannabis radio well thank you so much it's, it's going to be fun what do you want to talk about besides <laughs> everything <laughs> <laughs> well you know we have so much to unpack in just a short yes. amount of time but your public persona began i believe when you were thrust into the media spotlight after you and the father of your first child ken kesey busted for pot in 1965, mm -hmm. making you a high-profile American cannabis personality and, I think, activist about as long as anyone alive. Uh, in 1965, cannabis was highly controversial. What was that experience like for you at the time? Well, it was, it was a really busy time. I have to say getting, um, you know, getting arrested and, and having a lot of drama suddenly emerge was a, was a shock. It was a wake-up. 
and suddenly you have to take a position. You know, you got to you've got to you've got to look over your shoulder a little bit more, and uh, it it changed our lives. So, becoming an activist sort of happened later. At once the once the drama had had faded, and and I felt safe. And then you know, and then I got into being a, a marijuana proponent and wrote a book about it, and you know how to grow, how to do a good job. And uh, just have sort of stayed in the loop ever since, as much as possible. Now, you first became known to me in 1970 when I was 12, as I read Tom Wolfe's acclaimed book, The Electric Kool-Aid Acid Test, which, of of course, is about the merry pranksters traveling America Mm -hmm. in a psychedelic bus further, holding LSD parties along the way. Um, yes. MG, I am I am experienced, as Jimi Hendrix puts it, having traveled to Electric Ladyland a few yes. years after that. And my psychedelic experiences largely formed the person I am today. My question is, how much did those early days of taking acid contribute to the person that you are today? Well, I think a great deal. Um, I was a sort of a withdrawn person, you know, a little too smart, you know, kind of sassy, but not really thinking too not thinking well for myself as a, as a one as a younger person, but I think that the the very first LSD uh, opened a, a part of my brain that had been, you know, fogged over or closed, and I and I realized, you know, the magnitude of the universe and our infinitesimalness in it, and then, but also, you know, sort of the glory of life, of life itself. What a fabulous, amazing thing life is. And our planet's full of it, all these different varieties. So I, 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 I think I, I had a coming to nature moment there that has really driven me ever since. You know, I had the exact same type of experience. It, it, I became generically spiritual, and it taught me uh, to, first of all, realize that there's more going on than meets the eye. Um, and that everything was infinitely more complicated and, and deeper than I had really scratched the surface of. Um, you were married to Jerry Garcia, the guitarist uh-huh. of the quintessential San Francisco counterculture group, The Grateful Indeed. Dead. Jerry is mm-hmm. worshipped, and while he was alive, was practically deified by deadheads like myself. Uh, but you intimately knew Jerry Garcia, the human being. What can you tell the person Jerry was behind the scenes, and how did he perceive the degree of adulation and attention that he received? How did that affect him? Well, I think that, you know, first of all, here was an extremely unique person with an incredible sense of humor and um, a, a, a real love of um, getting together with other musicians. Was He just, he, he loved it. So at home, you know, when that wasn't happening, I would answer your question by saying he was, he was sleeping, eating, and practicing, and, there, and watching TV from time to time, but mostly he sat and warmed up and i think his 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 obsession was to play well his obsession continued on to be i have to play better and uh it was it was his entire uh inner mechanism was always getting him to be a better musician and be more competent feeling you know to get rid of that old that feeling of oh i'm not doing it quite right and he that would just drive him crazy. So he was he a perfectionist. Like a he was a super perfectionist, but perfection was always the next step beyond. Because <laughs> he could see farther. He always could see farther and hear farther than other people. And it, just, it drove him It drove him hard, but he, ha- he had an incredible sense of humor to go, go along with that. So 
How did how he did he was f- an overachiever to say the least? He I was really like you know unusually worshipped as a living deity, and he was just really a musician. He was a very intellectual guy, um, but yeah. he was just just a guitar player. How did it impact him being? Oh, wait, wait. He was really just a banjo player. That's the thing. <laughs> right. and, it, it, and that banjo playing that he did in his early days of playing in the bluegrass bands and for the for the Mother McCree's Uptown Jug Champions in Palo Alto, which is where I saw him for the first time, and went, holy moly, what is this? And, you know, he was just, um, A, he loved the genres so much, these different kinds of music. It was like, he studied. He chased down bluegrass musicians to get their banjo licks, and uh, and then and then when suddenly it was time to play the guitar, he had already made friends with his fingers. You know what I mean? He he mm-hmm. had the gift. So. Um, but to dig I down think, deeper, like I said, he was like kind of worshipped as a living god by well, deadheads. That, he didn't, well, he he really didn't want to be worshipped. He would say with a small smile. <laughs> So he 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 didn't like the concept, but but in reality, it, uh, he used it to his own. To his but he own but he knew to he, he knew to play the part and and to to kind of live in that Not skin. Exactly, right? he was. You got to remember, he was also a serious iconoclast, and um, you know, as an artist, I would say number one, he was an artist, and he had he just had, was a multi uh, gifted artist which made him a little very unusual. You know, he didn't do just one thing. So, Indeed. And so it was like he always had something going. <laughs> and uh, he liked to stay busy. So, I, you know, I think that his, his, his drive to be a better artist was always with him, always there. And so he could never turn down a, a request to go play somewhere either. <laughs> well, I just have to say some of that joyful... Uh, transcendent moments of my life took place at, at Grateful Dead concerts, and my life has been infinitely enriched. Um, like Jerry, you as Mountain Girl uh-huh. have been elevated to counterculture icon status. When I first met you at Hempfest, I was just—I was really struck by how open and gracious and just down to earth you are, more so than s- several similar icons that I've met. What is it like uh-huh. for you to be a historical figure connected to both? Uh, the, the famous and the infamous elements of the 1960s counterculture. I mean, how does that, how does that, is it change anything? Uh, do you notice it or what's it like for you? What's it like for me is that, is that I realize now that I'm 70 plus that I see, you know, I see the up and coming intelligence, you know, from our offspring. They're very smart and they're, they're supporting the right things. They're, you know, they're, they're, involved in agriculture of all things how wonderful is that um we're just i'm terribly pleased at what i'm seeing from the what i would call my next generation which is they're hitting 50 right Mm -hmm. so you know that they're not like teenagers anymore these are 50 year old adults with families and scenes of their own but but they've accepted some of the gifts that we discovered for them and and so things keep changing and I'm very happy about about you know basically the acceptance of organics on such a mass scale. I think that's been a, a, an enormous shift in in consciousness. Back in the day, was there any concept of I mean, you know, our, I'll say our culture, uh, the alternative culture of the '60s, post '60s, 
was very aware of environmentalism uh, and, you know, decentralization and organic farming and, and back to the land and uh, uh, living small. But was there any concept of that something like climate change could happen? Do you remember anything like that? Anybody no. being aware of that? I, I remember people starting to get worried about the contrails. But but also but I don't think we had a, a, a smooth awareness of, of climate change. Now my dad and mom were scientists, so we had a weather station at our house, and it was my job to go out and change the paper on the little needle that recorded the temperature and humidity in our little weather station, which was you know this is this is pre network obviously this was how it was done, and I would you know. That was that was the notes about the weather. So I was trained from as a kid to, to watch the sky, and I have to say, there's no there's no clues being left except for the extremities out of the extremes. These extreme events happen, but if you read back in history, extreme events have always happened uh, here and there. You know, the weather just winds up, but the size of the new weather system is is, is it's not a good thing. I think that there is a change. I definitely do. And, but I'm a weather watcher. And um, there's, there's serious changes here in Oregon. It's so dry here. It's scary. So um, living in Oregon, you don't expect it to have no rain in November until the very last couple of days. Something's definitely up. up. Uh, my guest is Carolyn Mountain Girl Garcia. We're going to take a pause and hear a word okay. from our sponsors. And we're going to come right back. We're just getting started, so don't go anywhere. Time to roll out for the people that let us have present. Hang loose. We're coming right back. Doc Rob, the concierge for better living. Cannabis is just one of the many great plants that we have on this planet called Earth that we can use consciously and intelligently to improve our well-being. Take a real, raw, inside look at healthier living while sharing great ideas and improvements for a better quality of life. Learning to live and live well is a lifelong process. This is a journey. It could be you could be 80 years old or eight years old. You can still learn something that's gonna make tomorrow a little bit healthier, a little bit easier, a little bit happier, a little bit better. The concierge for better living with Doc Rob. Only on cannabisradio.com. Elevate your every day with that Shuggies feeling with the sweet taste of Shuggies. Add a cup of Shuggies to your morning coffee. Ah, how sweet it is. Shuggies infuses cannabis and cane sugar to make it the perfect sweetener with benefits. Make your happy hour happier with a dunk of Shuggies in your drink. Order your Shuggies now at S-H-O-O-G-I-E-S dot com or find it in dispensaries throughout California. Whenever you crave a little sweet, pick up Shuggies, the sweet, sweet, take-anywhere treat. It's time to hemp present. I am going to titillate your audio orifices with weekly radio rendezvous with some of the premier movers, shakers, and history makers of the cannabis community. Radio resident hempo sapien Vivian McPeak. I will be putting out a call to action on issues of the day and putting your interests under the big lights as I provide cannabis commentary and weekly interviews that go straight for the nugular. Marijuana! Hemp presents only on Cannabis Radio. We're back to Hemp Presents, only on Cannabis Radio. Now, back to our headstrong emperor of hemp, 
Vivian McPeak. On Ham Percent with Mountain Girl Garcia. Uh, MG, you had two books published about growing ganja. Primo Plant Growing Cinsamia Marijuana in 1976 and Primo Plant Growing Marijuana Outdoors in 1998. Are those books still in print? And where did you develop your skill for cannabis cultivation? How long were you growing before you wrote your first, your first uh, book? Well, we, first, we, we had, Jerry and I landed. We bought a place with a garden and uh, was in a very lovely spot. And we immediately thought about putting in a couple of pot plants because it seemed like a good location. So, so I did, and they were they were early 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 seeds from Vietnam. So these, uh, what I would call Vietnamese war seeds, came over with a with a young vet that we knew, and uh, so we had four little plants. It was this, and they never got very big, but boy. It was the strongest pot I think I've ever smoked in my life, and we couldn't we couldn't use it. We had to like give it away because it was just it was ridiculous. So that launched me into the the search for better stuff because Mexican marijuana was the standard in those days, and some of it was really really good. And it was also about half seeds at least by weight. So we were throwing those away, and that's such a joke today, you know. Think, oh, think of all those seeds we threw away. But, you know, we're doing okay at this point. But seeds are a valuable resource. So I learned to keep them in little labeled envelopes. And that gave me a lot of information over the years and enabled me to test different things and try different soil types and, and, and you know, make mistakes and, and then have wild successes. And it was easy to write the book once I got, got a couple of seasons under my belt. Are those books still in print? The Primo Plant, uh, actually, it's all the same book. When I oh, okay. when I I gave publishing rights to uh, Ed Rosenthal at a certain point for his company uh, when he was going through his troubles with the with the criminal justice system in Berkeley with over his pot his legal pot grow there, and uh, Justice Breyer uh, that cost him a lot of money, so I helped him out for a while, and then I took the book back, and it's out of print. And I'm trying to finish another version of it and, and uh, reissue it. I have a bunch of them in my closet. And if you want to get one, you could order one from the Tsunami Bookstore here in Eugene, Oregon. And that's Tsunami Like the Big Wave. Well, I feel uh, very fortunate to have a, a copy. Um, is it true that the weed that you grew supplied the Grateful Dead for a while? That you were like this is true, and I <laughs> and I and this is how I this is how I was able to gauge success. With, you know how much how often my phone rang during that time, and you know so it was it was fun. Is all I can say. We were having fun. We weren't feeling threatened or you know chased down. Just. You know, it was it was a lovely time of experimentation and beautiful music and and good great friendships uh, that that we'll always have. So I don't know. You know how you know how marijuana creates community. Well, it's one yeah. of its greatest aspects. And it used to be that in the '60s that community was tiny and at, at distance from each other, and you were always careful when you went over to somebody else's house because it was such a it was so illegal at that and time. There, and there was a com a camaraderie, right? I mean, yeah. it was like your secret. You remember the secret club? Yes, and it trained us all to be secret agents. You know, so it, <laughs> it's hard. You can't just throw that off just because it's, we're still secret agents after all. So what's the secret these days? 
you know, right now the secret is we're we're working here uh, in Eugene to try to get um, decriminalization for plant all plant medicines, mm-hmm. whatever they may be. Just to, you know, this is what what Denver and and Oakland have done. We're going to try to do something like that. Of Eugene, you live in Oregon, a state that has been a cannabis cultivation mecca for just many, many decades. What are your thoughts on Oregon's legalization model, and how has it changed the historic cannabis community there? Well, again, they handed the, you know, the 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 rulemaking was handed to the Oregon Liquor Control Commission, and I'll just say that they really fumbled around with it quite a bit. I mean that. They, where there are now nine separate agencies that you have to work through to get your product properly labeled and stamped to go to market. And I just think nine is a few too many. But um, it just, it's making it a little tricky for the, for the small grower to, to ever see a profit here at this point. So To, the, to meet the, the regulatory demands, the, the financial yeah, obligations. The, and, the, and the continuous change of label. Yeah. The labels are like every every six weeks, there's like a oh you got to add this to the label, which means refiguring the whole thing. But but uh, it's kind of entertaining because because it's showing up. Here comes CBD, you know, in a a blizzard of beautiful CBD hitting the market right now, and the prices are coming down and the availability is going up. And uh, so you know, and I have my own little cannabis company, Mountain Girls Botanica. And we're, we're, we're very pleased. You know, of course, we're 100% organic, but um, I don't think everybody is. But there's no room on the label to say that anymore. <laughs> I was recently in Williams, Oregon, and all the farmers there have switched to growing uh, what they call uh, CBD hemp. And it's actually uh, mm-hmm. high CBD, low THC cannabis. Uh, and, and some people are they're selling a smokable form. But let's talk about your business, Mountain Girls Botanica. What, okay. what do you sell? How can people find Mountain Girls Botanica? What kind of products do you have? Um, uh, we have uh, we have uh, two strengths of CBD. We have uh, you know one ounce bottle with three hundred milligrams or a thousand milligrams, and then we have a, a what I would call a hippie nootropic. Uh, called Alert, which is a capsule with three herbs and a small amount of CBD in it. That is a um, it's it's a, a mental energizer, I will call it, and it's great for driving at night. If you're if you're driving at night through a storm after a show, it works really well for that. I can attest, and it's really good for paperwork or just getting going. And then um, we have oh, I'm just going to open my little cupboard here. We have beautiful chocolate bars which I know you can't smell it over the phone, but I'll tell you it's great. This is organic <laughs> Peruvian chocolate with a, with a oh gosh, a bunch of CBD in it. And that, you know, that's, that's basically what we're selling. And, um, and we also, you know, we're going to respond to civic needs here as this campaign goes forward for, a, you know, better terms with the government. We all need to get on better terms with our legislators and our government. But indeed, it's, indeed. It's just wise. We've got to be wise and and tell you know tell them what we need and ask for what we need and ask for what we want and perhaps someday the legislators will will really will really pull it together the way it should be pulled together. But we're close now. I think that a lot of work's been done, and certainly the 
the the energy for this good medicine is is out there in the marketplace and strong, which is wonderful. We got about a minute and a half before the next break. Can you touch briefly on the work of the Rex Foundation and the Further Foundation? What's the purpose and function of those organizations? Well, they're just they're uh, fairly small by foundation standards, and uh, we seek donations and we ha- and we put on events to raise some money for for um, for nonprofit groups that are small and you know an important little growth pattern can emerge if we give them a, a, a decent grant. Uh, we're not we're not talking about anything big, but this is a good way to also involve our offspring in learning about charitable giving. So this is a, the mm-hmm. Further Foundation puts on a wonderful party, which is going to be at the Fillmore this year on uh, December 7th, I believe. And uh, y'all come. And it's a nice show with wonderful music. So that's that's a highlight of my of my Christmas season is the the annual Rex Foundation benefit. So it's about raising awareness and and fundraising for various other nonprofits. And and oh yeah, and and it also is a great social tool. You know, it's really nice to meet people who are like minded and want to participate. Carolyn Mountain Girl Garcia, we're going to take a pause and hear a word okay. from our sponsors. So don't go anywhere. Time to roll out for the people that let us hem present. Hang loose. We're coming right back. Hey, take a look at this. They're selling smart pots. <laughs> they have pot that can make you smart? Where is it? Not that kind of pot. Smart pots are the best aeration container to grow your plants. Check this out. This is the original fabric container for faster producing, healthier plants. They're made with a superior fabric that delivers high yields. Plus, smart pots are reusable and sustainable, so you can use them over and over again, no matter if you use them indoor or outdoor. That's very smart, but how good are they for the environment? Smart pots are BPA-free and lead-free, so you'll always be able to ensure a pure, clean grow, and they're 100% made in the U.S. Over 28 million smart pots have already been sold, so it seems like a smart investment. Look for smart pots in close to 2,000 garden centers throughout North America and ask for the original fabric container. Find a store near you or order yours online at smartpots.com. Candid. Captivating. Compelling. Welcome to Cannabis Confidential with Dr. Dina. Welcome got to Cannabis Confidential. Oh, you got me again. All right. I got you again. You got me again. Welcome to Cannabis okay. Confidential. Ah! <laughs> hey, we did it. We did it. Yeah, Welcome. I have the coolest guest today. You guys already know. The one and only Tommy Chong. CannabisRadio.com proudly presents Cannabis Confidential. Oh, lady marijuana llama, tell you something now. Bought a game for your phone, gonna make you say, wow. The game's about the game of growing cannabis for cash. Grow the seeds, sell the bud, put the savings in the stash. Little by little, your empire grows large. Put the big celebrities inside your entourage. You can choose to play with Snoop or me or Chichin Chong. Cypress Hill, Willie Nelson, Wiz Khalifa with a bong. The name of the game is him, pink, that's the point. Download and play while you light yourself a joint. The business of cannabis should be no crime. Hemp Inc. is even hot-proofed by the man who run high times. Oh, yeah. Get it on Android and I and iOS today. Marijuana Llama out. Got to tend to me on crops, you know. Money don't make itself. Hemp Inc. We're back to Hemp Presents, only on Cannabis Radio. Now. 
back to our headstrong emperor of hemp, Vivian McPeak. And we are back for our final moments with Carolyn Mountain Girl Garcia, uh, who I refer to as MG. Uh, MG, we have a couple minutes left. Are there any other projects you're excited about or anything else that you'd like to share while we still have a couple minutes? Well, I'd just like to, uh, I'd just like to say it'd be really good uh, for people to check in with uh, Project CBD, um, uh, you know, the, the CBD project, and it, because it's, it's, it's a really interesting and scientifically based website. Um, that Martin, Martin, Martin and those Martin guys. Lee. Yeah. Yeah. Martin Lee is a great is author doing. himself. Yes. He's written, he, he's written several wonderful books. So, you know, I think that as we, as we get a little older, we, we, I, I sort of turned down board positions, but uh, there's some, there's some good groups out there. And I think find your local cannabis group and, and support them, your, your grower friends and, so on. I think everybody's got to talk to each other about what we can do to make the situation better for everyone. Although it's already pretty good. It's really nice to hear from you. Uh, I certainly had a great time at the Hemp Fest, and I really, you know, strongly support the Seattle Hemp Fest at this point. That's a wonderful event, and we really look forward to having a similar thing happen here in Eugene sometime soon. So, the we're I'm pushing. I'm pushing for it here. We we need it. We need it here in central the central part of the valley. Uh, I who knows how much hemp's going to be grown here next year. I think it's going to be a lot. Well, thank you so much. And let me just say it was thrilling to have you at Hemp Fest. And let's collaborate and get something going on down in, in Eugene. I know that the Harrisburg World Hemp Festival apparently is coming back this summer, uh, <laughs> which was an early uh, mid '90s mm-hmm. event. Uh, and it's just thrilling to talk to you. And thank you so much for being on the show and and, and for uh, for all the great work you're doing. Well, thank you so much. And it was wonderful to meet you and all the other lovely people that you have working with you at the Hemp Fest. I just think you've got the best crew ever and what <laughs> great vendor. So I just had a great time there. And thank you so much for inviting us. You take hempy trails to you, I should say. All um, right. Hempy trails, indeed. Yes. Just follow the smoke. Follow the smoke. Yeah, the smoke signals. Now I want to get to a weekly feature for percent on CanvasRadio.com, and that's the quote of the week, and here it is. If we had any nerve at all, if we had any real balls as a society, or whatever you need, whatever quality you need, real character, we would make an effort to really address the wrongs in this society righteously. Those are the wise words of the late musician, Jerry Garcia. That concludes this installment of Hamperson on Cannabis Radio. I want to thank Brasco, my man in the control room, and all the Cannabis Radio sponsors and advertisers. Join me next week for some more reefer repartee and cannabis confabulation with some special hempo sapien on a journey to justice as we silence the violence, increase the peace, and promote unity in the cannabis community with impunity. Because when it comes to prohibition, you've got the right not to remain silent. Activism requires a voice. Find your voice and speak up for justice because resistance is fertile. Till then, my friends, stay strong, stand tall, talk it easy. The Hemp Present theme song, Take Back the Plants, performed by Sticker Bush and sung by a much younger version of myself. Turn up the music, maestro, because I'm out. Ico, Ico. Marijuana! The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without proper consent of CannabisRadio.com is prohibited.
When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.